What's up, everyone? Welcome out to the Game Time Guru Podcast. I am your host, Shane Larson. Excited to be here with you as we start off 2021 with an amazing interview. Listen, I'm a Buckeyes fan, and part of the history of Ohio State is their mascot. His name's Brutus. Brutus Buckeye, have you. Now, listen, I, I'm going to be interviewing the co-creator of Brutus Buckeye. You do not want to miss this. It's a, it's a trip down memory lane, learning the history of the mascot at Ohio State University. This is the Game Time Guru. So, what time is it? Game time. This is the Game Time Guru podcast, where I interview sports figures from all over the world to help deliver a panoramic view on sports. So whether you're a former athlete, one of the crazies, or simply a casual sports fan, this is the perfect show for you as we peel back the curtains and learn from our guests every single week. I'm your host, Shane Larson, and I'm helping you see sports through a different lens. What's up, everybody? Welcome out to another episode of the Game Time Guru Podcast. I am your host, Shane Larson. We're starting off 2021 with a bang. It's going to be an amazing interview. I can't wait to get this year started with you guys. We are now four years in the making of the show. Uh, I just can't even express my gratitude enough to everybody who has supported me from the beginning of the show all the way till now. If you guys are new to listening, welcome aboard. We appreciate that. Just hit the subscribe button on whichever platform you're listening on. Remember, you can catch me on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, anywhere that you listen to podcasts at, you can find this uh, show. It is free. So make sure to go hit the subscribe button and tune in. I uh, am I'm super grateful for all the sponsors that have helped me out with the show as well. Massive shout out to the title sponsor of the show, 208 Printing. They're the ones who take care of all of my merchandise, anything that I'm doing for marketing. If you guys happen to have anything you need for marketing, whether it's merchandise, swag, business needs that need to be printed, anything to be a walking billboard, go to madeby208.com. Check them out. 208 Printing. Those guys will get you taken care of. So listen, guys, you, you know I'm a massive fan. This is a very timely episode uh, because of the current situation with the college football playoff. And we've got stuff going on right now with Ohio State. I'm a massive Buckeyes fan, have been since 95. Uh, Eddie George used to be my very favorite player when I was a little kid. And then that just kind of grew, my fandom grew into uh, like a massive fan for the Buckeyes. That's why they call me the Boise Buckeye. And one of the reasons I love Ohio State, especially in the football scheme of things, is the culture and just the overall history of the school. See, something that we don't get here in Boise with the Boise State Broncos <laughs> is the culture because we haven't been around as long at that level of football. Now, when I was able to go to Columbus and kind of experience the games there, just the game day settings, it's a night and day difference. Unbelievable difference because of the culture and the history that's there. And today I get to bring on an amazing guest who has a big part in the culture of Ohio State uh, with the mascot, have you, of Brutus Buckeye. Her name is Sally Lanyon, co-creator of Brutus Buckeye. Sally, thank you so much for joining the show. Delighted. Thanks for having me. Oh, I am absolutely stoked for this one. So for those who are watching this video, this is Brutus the Buckeye. If you want to Google it, go check him out. He's the mascot for the Buckeyes. We're going to take a, a trip down memory lane to talk about the history of Brutus the Buckeye and Sally's part in this history. So first things first, Sally, let's get to know who you are outside of Brutus the Buckeye. Tell us a little bit about where you're from and why you're a Buckeyes fan to begin with. Okay. I was... Raised in Mansfield, Ohio, about 60 miles north of Columbus, Ohio. Wow, okay. Yeah, and was just really interested in mascots. We had the T.Y. Tigers in Mansfield. 
as opposed to the TI tigers in Maslin. Um, so I wanted to go to college somewhere exciting where I, like I would have been Catherine Hepburn and going to Bryn Mawr or something, but I couldn't afford that. And my dad said that most of the people that he noticed that went away to some small school to begin with wound up at Ohio State. So why don't I just start there? So I did and became involved in the, uh, the community there. So, so you're telling me you, you, you grew up there it, yeah. near, near that area. Now, did your, did your family, your dad kind of had the influence for you getting to Ohio state when you were going to school? Um, did you grow up as a Buckeyes fan? Like did your fan, did your family have like that culture inside of it when you were growing up? Okay. No. Okay. My parents graduated from college in Cleveland. Okay. And all of their friends lived in Cleveland. We were totally Cleveland Browns, Cleveland Indians. Uh, there was no college interest that we had. We, I didn't even know where Columbus was really. I didn't wow. know it was just as far south as Cleveland was north. Yeah. It, it, it's not as though I grew up loving that. It, it just wasn't on the television. It just wasn't part of my life. Oh, wow. So this actually just makes it even that more interesting to me then, because you go to college, you go to Ohio State, you notice, you said you were kind of infatuated with mascots. You liked the idea of like the mascots mm -hmm. when you were younger. You get to Ohio State. At the time, they didn't have a mascot? Right. Okay. Right. No so, and I, I didn't even realize that. I was pretty much a small town girl that didn't have much uh, awareness of the bigger world. I started dating a boy from uh, New Jersey. And he's the one that said, this doesn't make sense that Ohio State doesn't have a mascot. So we started talking about it. And uh, he wanted to have a well, we just decided that we would be the ones to make the mascot. And he wanted a buck's eye because it was the Buckeyes. And I said, no, not exactly. <laughs> the Buckeyes is a tree. It's the state tree of Ohio. It has a nut on it. And then when you're thinking about what you could see visually from the top deck, we'd, I, I just, and it had to be a big Buckeye, a big round thing. Yeah. So that that was kind of the start of it. And it was near homecoming of my junior year. So that was 1965. And while other, well, up on Fraternity Row, while other people were making their floats for the homecoming parade, we made them out of paper mache then. And we made this thing that was this round ball. Let me see if I can you this is a, my t-shirt that has the the original one on it oh wow okay i see it wait a minute so that first one with the big eyes now it it's not right that it has arms that go in the o for ohio because this had no arms there was a dispatch reporter that called it a big bowling ball with legs <laughs> So, th so that's what it really looked like. 
It was just a big round sphere with guys' legs hanging out and with the big eyes. And then I had um, slats for eyebrows that could go, you know, upset, happy kind of a thing. And then it had a fixed smile on the bottom. So that was the, the very first Buckeye that came out. That is awesome. So it's just as I know a lot of people who listen to the show may not even know, like people ask me all the time, what is a buck? It's a nut, right? So Sally's talking about it. It's a nut. nut. (laughs) That's why everyone's like, oh, it's a nut. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. And so that picture right there, if you guys are watching this on YouTube, I'll I'll make sure to put some social clips here too. (laughs) A bowling ball with legs is perfect way to put it. This is so interesting to me though, because this is 1965, mid mid sixties that we're, we're looking into like getting a mask as out of paper mache. Um, what was the initial reaction from, I guess, not only the students, but the fan base, like when they kind of saw this for homecoming and stuff, did you get a pretty good reaction from people? Okay. We didn't do it on the float. Okay. So where'd you put it? So we brought it out at halftime at the Minnesota game. My then boyfriend, Ray Borges had been a walk on for the Ohio State football team. He wasn't on the team in 1965, but he had tried out for it. So he kind of understood what was going on on, underneath the stadium. And he figured out a place that he could hide it. So I'm up in the stands with my sorority sisters watching the game, actually frightened that this kid that we got to, it was a, a, a cheerleader that we got to wear the the head i thought they're going to so arrest this kid <laughs> this was the time shane that there were a lot of streakers going out on the field and you know they would get tackled and taken away by the police and i that's i envisioned that for this it was amazing the fans got it right away they realized it was a buckeye and that it was a mascot. I, it, it just was very, very overwhelming. And the athletic department came out and said that they were going to approve it. We we had no approval prior to doing this. Ray was in Ohio Staters, and he had some connections there that helped us pay for, I think they might have reimbursed our materials for the first one. And then, you know, paper mache is not going to last. You can't travel with that or anything. So they quickly made a fiberglass model. And that's the one you saw until the very late 70s. That was just more of a glossy, dark brown. And I studied cartoons to figure out what kind of face to put on it. So it was, and and again, I was always thinking, if you're way up there in C-Deck, what can you see? So they you know put the holes in the the round ball, and I made just eyes that were just cartoon eyes, and then I added a nose. We didn't have a nose on the original one, a, a button nose, and then the smile for this one you could turn upside down into a frown, so you could move the eyebrows and the smile. So that was the the big improvement on that one. Plus, it was the fiberglass that was going to be able to travel if you had. A car big enough that was a problem but anyway yeah 
I love that. Okay, so it's super cool for me to hear like the fan reaction, right? Because you were nervous. You're sitting there like, uh-oh, oh, what's yeah. going to happen to this yeah. guy? Yeah. Yeah. There's a history of streakers at the time, like you said. The history at the, at the moment. Just put yourselves back in that moment as we're listening to Sally tell about that. And just imagine like I can imagine the anxiety that you might have had just like, oh, uh, what's going to happen? And then just to, the relief and I, I guess excitement at that point of like, okay, they really like this. The fans caught on to it. Like, this is really cool. Just that overall, it's one of those things that I always say, like you, you execute now and ask for forgiveness later rather than like, yes. you know, just yeah. <laughs> hope yeah. for the best and ask for forgiveness later. Just, and that's it. ultimately what happened. Like you guys got to, you did something, uh, weren't sure how it was going to be executed and how it was going to be received. And all of a sudden it just takes off. You get the fiberglass model. It starts to, to roll. Um, when did you graduate or finish school? I should say. And, and did you continue working with the mascot <laughs> moving forward, even when you were done with school at Ohio state? I graduated in March, 1967. Okay. And by when, by six months later, I was married and another year later, I had my first child. Now we had 60 or 50 yard line tickets, football tickets. So we kept in touch with what was going on. But the, during the time that I was there, it was always the fiberglass. So Brutus wasn't doing the tricks that he can do now, all of that kind of thing. It was just kind of this big thing lumbering around the field and getting the uh, the crowd cheered up. Well, first it got the crowd mad because the, a lot of the students were sitting down on the field level before this is before it was uh, the whole uh, revision of the, the uh, football field there was a track around the field and there were bleacher seats that went down and the students that were sitting right on the field level, if Brutus was in front of them, they were, boo, get out of the way. (laughs) (laughs) So that, that was a funny thing, but on the jacket of the book that Ray and I finally wrote about this, our publisher wrote at the very end said, who knew? Who knew at that point in the mid 60s that something as silly as this would have such a an evolution and such a history and become the iconic symbol of Ohio State that it is today? That's why I think it's so awesome what you guys did. I, I am so inspired by the fact that you guys put like you were creative and you put it out there. And now we're in 2020. And I mean, I've got a bobblehead of the Brutus. Um, yes. I mean, that he's iconic is exactly what you said. It's part of the whole entire, it's just as much of the team as the band is. Like it's just the whole program is just, it's, it encompasses everything. And Brutus is a big part of that. Tell me this though, the name Brutus, who oh, came yeah. up with that? We did arrange for a campus-wide name the mascot contest. There were, I think, over 60 entries. Now, this contest was mainly run by Ohio Staters. There was the student faculty advisor and some of the Ohio Stater members. There might have been some other people, but there were about eight judges on this after all the entries came in, and this was maybe two or three weeks after we made the first one. I mean, things moved very fast. I'm gonna do a sidebar on this. At one point I was doing an oral history with 
the OSU archives. The attorney that, that has the licensing aspect of Ohio State, actually, I'm not sure he's an attorney, but it's an attorney type role with um, licensing all the Brutus products. He was sitting there listening to me and he said, that never could happen now. So much bureaucracy. You know, this all happened within a couple of weeks. Wow. So anyway, and it was, anyway, that was the, the fun part of it. And we, we didn't know any better. So getting back to the, the naming contest, they met in, and I'm thinking it must have been the faculty club because I remember there being dark wooden walls. Now, I was allowed in the room, but Ohio Staters at that time was an all-men's organization. Now there's women in it. Um, but they, so I had the ballot, and when I do still have a, a copy of the ballot, and one of my future blogs is going to be on, on that, the, the various names that came up. Uh, and the committee hashed over all of the, the names. The guy that was under the Brutus head that first year, Mike Caprol, he recalls that the faculty advisor came out of the room and said to him, Mike, they were he they were down to a couple of names. What do you think? And that's when Mike said he thought Brutus was the better choice. Now, when they announced the winner, it was Carrie Reed of Dublin, Ohio. And the, I noticed on the sheet, it just, there was a Brutus Buckeye. And then there was something else like Bucky the Buckeye. It had the the in it. Right. And when it was finally announced, it went, it came out as Brutus the Buckeye. So for years, I called him Brutus the Buckeye. And then you know, as we get into now, I, I left Ohio in 1980, so I lost track for a while. Like, oh, what? You know, where's his middle name? So I still like to call him Brutus the Buckeye. All right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Interesting. So, so full disclosure here for everybody, it's Brutus Buckeye, and that's why Sally was saying like Brutus the Buckeye, which I think there's a lot. The majority of college football fans, I'd even argue, there's Ohio State fans that don't even realize that. It's Brutus Buckeye, not Brutus the Buckeye. So people, I've heard people call it that oh, all the time, like the Buckeye. So I, I think that that's a very common mistake that people make, which is interesting to hear the history of it. Kind of like why you were, why you would have originally thought that, because if that's originally what it was, yeah, it then, was. Yeah. Then, then that's why people would probably get accustomed to saying that. So well, that's cool. So th just we used to say in the '60s, "Go Buckeyes," right? And now people say, "Go Bucks," right? So it's like this whole shortening of things. Although I would, I still, I do not like to say go bucks to people because that's Milwaukee, you know, Dude, forget it. I respect yeah. that so much. I still, I, I'll say go bucks because that's kind of what everybody says right now. But I respect that because I'm always thinking yeah. that I'm talking about the Milwaukee bucks. Like, yeah, I, I think I'm going to start a movement retro. I think we need to go retro on that one. I think there's a lot of good things coming up, but that one needs to go retro. 
I love this. Okay, this is fantastic. <laughs> Start the movement. I'm following. Okay. Okay. Great. You're, thanks. You're the leader on the follower. Hey, so so we you've referenced a, f- a few things that I wanted to touch base on too. The book you're, you talk about a book that your husband and yourself wrote. No, no, not my so not, husband. Not husband. Former, no, I didn't marry the guy. The guy like, that created it with you, right? The guy at the time right. that you were dating, right? Right. Okay. So let's let's okay. Let's rewind, right? Don't get that mixed up. The guy that she was dating back then that had, was the co-creator as well. You guys wrote a book. Right. Okay. Talk to us about this book. And and can we find this book somewhere? Well, of course you can. <laughs> uh, the, <laughs> the year of 2015 was the 50th anniversary of Brutus's birth. So the whole year was spent in various celebrations for Brutus. We had... Um, Ray and I had several discussions, telephone discussions. This is way before Zoom and the other things um, with the Ohio State Committee that was planning all the events for 2015. They started in January with the Buckeye Cruise and they were talking about how Cheryl's was gonna make Brutus cookies and all sorts of fundraisers and events. And the big event was the 50th birthday celebration held at the Ohio State Union, where we had 800 guests, a big gala kind of a thing. And I know I'm going off track with the book. I'll get back there. Oh, I love it. I just want to let you know that Eddie George brought you into the whole Ohio State culture. Eddie George was the person who narrated the story of the birth of Brutus. So Eddie is reading a bedtime story to the audience and there's pictures of Ray and me up on the screen and he's talking about how we created this, the original Brutus. So that was amazing. Anyway, so what during one of the spring phone calls that was talking about all these events that were going to go on for the 50th birthday of Brutus, Ray and I talked afterwards and said, you know, I had I had a page of maybe 25 things they were going to do. And I said, they didn't mention a book. Uh, this, this event needs a book to commemorate how Brutus evolved. So we just decided to write a book. We did put together a proposal. I had been taking classes maybe at that point for 10 years at Pima College nearby writing classes. So after work, I would go take classes. And I was going to write the great American novel. But instead, I wrote this whimsical adult picture book. And this is the whimsical adult picture book. So autobiography of Brutus Buckeye. And it's by Brutus's parents, Sally Lanyon and Ray Voorhees. So we, we're becoming his parents. We wrote it in Brutus's voice. We take it from that original story through the evolution. There were some that it's really interesting the different iterations that Brutus went through, um, and the people that really pushed that and trying to make it into a more athletic being. Um, it, it needed a smaller head in order to be the athletic person that he is today but before he got there 
there was an angry head that got booed off, was only one game. And then it went back to the original thing. And then it, there was another big head that you'll see in the book. And then there was a female version. Wow, okay. That for one year in 81, wore a little dress, had flowers and a cute little hat, not the Woody hat. And she gave out dumb, dumb uh, suckers, lollipops to the crowd. She was uh, the actual person that wore it was the second female to ever wear the Brutus persona. So there've been three women and this was the second of the three. She had been a mascot in high school and had been given free reign to create her own costume. And so made a feminine version. Then right after that, it went back to a male version or became a male version, I guess. Yeah, I, I guess you, it was not particularly male or female at the beginning, but we always called him he. Right. <laughs> so super interesting so your your autobiography of this book covers kind of the evolution of brutus from 65 all the way on kind of just to 2015 2015 yeah. for the 50th the 50th yeah. anniversary okay so how do we get a hold of that um is there a website that we can buy that from like is it on amazon barnes and noble where can the listeners who who might be interested in this uh find your book you can find it on amazon on barnes and noble okay uh, there's also links to those sites from my blog post. So I do the Brutus blog, www.thebrutusblog.com. And I have a tab called book. And on that, you can get a, a sort of an idea of what the book contains. Then you can click on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, or Orange Fraser Press, my publisher, and get it from them. I know one time they were selling it. They had a sale on it. It was $15. Normally it's $19.95 from the other two big box sources or the, the online sources. Sweet though. So, okay. So listeners pay attention, www.thebrutusblog.com. Go there, click the link that says book. You'll find this one up there. I just actually pulled it up on my own screen, looking at it. And like she said, you know, Sally mentioned the, you know, orange, uh, Fraser press has it there. Um, but I mean, you're talking, it's on Barnes Noble, it's on Amazon, 20 bucks or less. Like, come on. Like that. It, I, I know, I know so <laughs> many people that spend a fortune on things like this, this right here is probably more than 20 bucks. So like, guys, can you spare some, <laughs> go get, go pay 20 bucks and get yourself this book. I'm going to be doing it as well. So, um, I am actually super stoked about this. Talk about the blog too. So like you just mentioned the blog and I, I, I can't just skip past that. So we've got the book. So right. you got the book of Brutus. You're the co-creator of Brutus. This is fantastic. And then you have the blog. So is the blog something that's similar to the book where you're you're going through the history of Brutus and you continue to go on through it? Or how does the blog work? Okay. Before I answer the blog thing, I want to give a shout out to Barnes & Noble. Okay. Because they've hosted several book signings for me. One here even in Tucson where I live oh, and wow. others back at Ohio State when I go back for the homecoming games they're always generous enough to host a book signing. And so they may even still have some extra signed books because when I go, I'll sign a bunch of books that they'll leave in the store. 
So that's yeah. that's a possibility as I'm well. I'm calling dibs online. on one of those. I want I I call dibs on one of the signed ones if I can get a hold of them. So I'm going to see what okay. I can find. <laughs> well, the other thing is people also send their books to me, okay. and I sign it. Okay, and then that I then I donate good. them too. I think I've donated it to the Boise Alumni Club a couple of years ago. Did you? Because we okay. have some Ohio State alums that transferred or moved from Boise to Tucson. Anyway, but okay. the, so I, I, I donate them to alumni clubs too. So they use them in their raffles. So the blog was, I had a sense with the book of it being unfinished and actually hurried because it was the spring of 2015 that we decided to write the book. I My book proposal had a timeline. It was extremely short because we wanted to get it out by September for the football season. So I wasn't able to dig deep. And then some of the um, search engines aren't as sophisticated as they are now. When I was going through the OSU archives and they were very helpful to me and they still are with my looking things for my blog that I, just couldn't get everything that I wanted. In fact, I didn't even have that very first Brutus in there. I found the name in the lantern, but my book publisher said I had to validate all the names. I couldn't find this person on LinkedIn, on Facebook, anywhere. I went back through the Macchio, our um, senior yearbook, couldn't find a name or how to spell it correctly. So I had to leave him out. So I just knew there was unfinished business with the book and started off with mainly doing Brutus alumni stories. And there it was just by luck of who I ran into at Phoenix, Dave Hosevar, who says he's Brutus number two, and he introduced me to other people. Um, I met some of the folks back at Ohio State when I was there for the big celebration. And then somebody from Mansfield, Ohio said, oh, yeah, I know someone whose son was Brutus. And that was Doug Con Convor. Con excuse me, I'm not going to say it right. Congrove. And so I've had spotty interviews between the 60s and the up to the 90s. So I'm still trying to fill in some of those blanks. The most exciting one that I had recently was finding Tom Shearer. It that was a total happenstance. Jim Bear, B-A-E-R, who was president of Pi Kappa Alpha and president of Block O back in the day that I was there. Block O took over Brutus for a while and Jim had a big part of that happening. Well, he was working with Ohio State Archives in documenting Block O from his time period. He came across a Lantern article that was about Block O if you did a search, you probably wouldn't have found the Brutus in there, but tucked in there were a couple of paragraphs about this Tom Shearer 
who played Brutus in 1966. Now, he didn't get legitimized or whatever, and he was not on the list of Brutuses to be invited back to the 50th even. Ohio State did not know about him. Wow. So Jim and I set about trying to find him. It took us a year before we did. And it, it's just so exciting to have found another person who was Brutus. So that, we've uncovered him. That is so cool. You're doing a little bit of like, almost like family research, essentially. It's almost like going through family history and, and going down the, the, the family tree to try to find everybody. And it's almost like you, you found your long lost relatives almost. It's kind of funny. I, uh, are these people that you're contacting that you're, you're getting the information from who were Brutus, are they excited to like be able to share their stories too? Cause I'm sure they're like, oh. they all have their stories they share with their family and friends about being Oh Brutus. my gosh. Yes. Oh Yes. <laughs> Totally. So that's the excitement too, the really fun thing. And in the interesting thing, in those days, until the 90s, you didn't have the cone of silence over who was actually under the head of Brutus. They, especially when you had the big ones, but they, they couldn't carry that around the whole game. So they'd take it off, set it aside, and people could see who they were. So people knew who a lot of the early Brutuses were. So it wasn't as though it was such a surprise, but they did have a lot of interesting stories. And, and each one that I've interviewed so far has brought a different aspect to it. So that, that's been fun. So if you go to the blog and you uh, look at my index and then go to the alumni, Brutus alumni, you can see different ones read their stories they're a quick read and when i try to have a lot of pictures with it too and then i've done some other different things with the blog like the best place this is kind of out of the way places to shop for brutus and uh, ohio state things especially you know like scarves i got this up at baker's it's a garden center in dublin Powell, ohio and you would never expect that there'd be a whole display of Brutus things. Anyway, so I wrote about that and written about just putting together that first one on the pie-fi lawn, the, the mess that it was with the, the paper mache and all of that. And the, my sorority sister, Becky, who was the main one to help me make, make that very first one, did an article on Jim Bear because he was so important. And I want to, there were other important people throughout the life of Brutus that helped with the evolution. And that's, those are some future blogs that I want to tease those out and get that information out. Oh, this is so cool. Like just hearing the history and then like seeing it on the, the blog itself. I encourage everybody, whether you're a Buckeyes fan or not, to check this out. This is part of the history of a massive college football program, massive college, yeah, massive university period, but like college football specifically is like a major piece. And Brutus Buckeye is here and we're talking to the co-creator of Brutus Buckeye. And then on the blog, you guys can see some more pictures of like the original Brutus that she was talking about. Um, the, the bowling ball with legs, if you will, that kind of situation, though, kind of what it looked like back then. Some of the older photos, like what you were just talking about on the lawn, I mean, I'm sure that's really cool for you too. Like when you do visit back there to kind of see 
the where I always like going to like I go to the university whenever I graduated at Boise State. I like to walk through campus sometimes and just kind of see yes. certain things like you know your your sorority location and stuff like that. The lawn, like you said, that's kind of cool to me. That's like stuff that's like super intriguing. This is awesome. Um, I'm gonna check it out as well. Make sure if you guys are Buckeyes fans or even if you're not, go sign up for the blog. Go go check it out and then sign up for the newsletter. Just check it out and, and see what Sally's writing here for the history of this whole entire thing. This is fantastic. I do have a question too for you. I, I know that Arizona has quite a few Buckeyes fans there. Um, it's weird because I mean, I've gone down there for quite a few football games. I was there last year for the Fiesta Bowl with against Clemson. I was there in 16 against Clemson um, as well. And I go to the Boise State Fiesta Bowl since 2007 when they've made it a couple times. So there's a lot of Buckeyes around there. A lot of the street names are after Ohio State stuff. Like, what is it like in Arizona? Do you feel like you've even left Columbus? Because uh, to me, it feels like there's as many Buckeyes fans there as there is in, in Ohio. Shane, it's actually Phoenix that is so crazy. I mean, there is a Buckeye, Ohio. Yeah, right. And Dave Hosovar, Brutus number two. Now he's really number four, but at the time... He was known to be number two. He and I went over to a celebration during one of the Fiesta Bowls. And Buckeye, Ohio has named its fire truck Brutus. <laughs> yeah, it's that crazy. It's yeah, that crazy. I wasn't kidding. I didn't know so, that part. No, but I, <laughs> you, weren't, you weren't kidding. I mean, it's just the amount of energy in Phoenix for the Buckeyes is out of this world. And especially since the Fiesta Bowl is hosted there that just really revs them up and um kevin fox i understand i've never seen him wear it but i think that sometimes he would wear a brutus head of sorts i i'm just not real sure on that one now in tucson we have a very active alum club uh, when i first moved to tucson in the 80s people had the color hair that i have now and I, so I went to a couple of meetings and that was across town and I don't know. So I didn't get that involved at first. Uh, but then later, and it's just been a real hoot to be, to go to game watches with all these folks. We'll get up to a hundred people at a game watch in Tucson. Oh, man. Guys, that's so cool. <laughs> like, that's why I love, this is the thing I love about Ohio State though, Sally, is that like, you're on the other side of the country, basically, and you're getting 100 plus people at a game watch. I mean, it, it's a true culture. It's a true history of the program. And it's just cool that like even yourself, I mean, moving out there in the 80s and you're still being able to be connected in some form or fashion because they're everywhere. They're everywhere. So so I want to know, Sally, as we wrap up the interview from you, like, what's the plan moving forward? Are you going to continue with the blog moving forward as much as you possibly can? Do you have anything in the works um, uh, as far as like your involvement with Brutus? Um, and, and is the blog basically your main focus at this point? The, the blog is becoming more of my main focus now. I've been busy. I was chairman of a board called of a group called Literacy Connects. Oh, cool. And just in, involved in the community involved with my family, that kind of thing. So the Brutus blog has been a, a high interest, but not the top interest. Now I'm kind of moving off the board in another year and our executive search is done that I led. So I'm feeling like, oh, I can kind of relax. I can kind of get back to that. I use some of the COVID time to clean out my house. It's still uh, have a few boxes that need to go through. But I'm I'm thinking, well, 
you know, some of these early guys were all getting up there in age. And I want to get these things documented before it's too late. I have this real sense of being an archivist. And I really want to gather these stories for posterity that that Ohio State uh, archives would have them at some point. So I I have this sense of urgency now for the next couple of years to get these things documented. And the other thing is I'm encouraging those early Buckeyes or Brutuses to take anything that they have and that is something that is unique or wonderful about their experiences and put it in their will to give to Ohio State Archives. It's it's that kind of thing that I think is important too, to keep our history alive. So that's what I'm going to do. I When I started the blog two years ago, I was thinking, yeah, I'll do that for maybe three years. Now I think maybe it'll be for four or five. So. This is awesome. Yeah. Look at that. I love, I love hearing how you have goals and how you're like excited for the future. This is super cool. And hey, who knows? Maybe a podcast is in the works for you in the future. You could be interviewing some of these former Brutuses that uh, have came up there and, and you could do it on an audio uh, format as well, then turn that into a blog with the, the transcribing of it and whatnot. I don't know. I, I, I think you're great on camera and great behind a mic. So that's why I was saying that. Maybe this is oh, like okay. a, a, new, a new thing for you. Maybe you start your own podcast. So who knows? There's a lot of stuff coming in. And for all the Buckeyes fans out there, again, I'm going to put this in the description. Make sure to go follow the blog. Go check out the book. I'll have the links there for everybody to go check it out so that you guys can see this. Um, and we're uh, remember from back earlier in the conversation, we're not going to say go Bucks. We're going to say go Buckeyes. Okay, we're Thank going you. retro. Go Buckeyes, right, Sally? Go Buckeyes, you bet. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you, Sally. I appreciate your time. Um, thank you so much for joining me today. It was it was truly an honor speaking with you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. For all the listeners out there, we appreciate you guys tuning in. Again, make sure you guys subscribe to the podcast. Leave me a five-star review on Apple if you can. And hey, we'll be coming to you every single Friday with another episode. Guys, thanks so much for listening to another episode of my show. Now, if you could go and do me a favor, head over to iTunes, give me five stars and leave me a review. It would be greatly appreciated. Thanks, guys. Appreciate your support.